Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Hogan. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh! I guess yes. Welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, the Eli Podcast, the Pampers Podcast. The only Flyers podcast. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. Flyers uh, have lost seven straight games. We are at odds as a podcast trio. We have lots to break down, lots to talk about, but I guess I'd be remiss if we didn't first introduce the two lovely men. And I know Ant, Ant seems to be a little bit jelly that I've recently started leading off by introducing Bundy. So um, uh, go ahead. I feel like I feel like I need to make it up. So um, first of all, first of all, of course, I uh, respect I is, respect my oh. elders. It's yeah, okay. <laughs> wow! Wow! Uh, first up, of course. Uh, first up, of course, is uh, Chris Terrian. Find him on Twitter at Cterrian Six. I do, fella. Me. We got Ann Scarf and a little late night scarf down after the old Flyer Ranger game tonight. Mm. And then uh, now that he's got his mouth full, Ant San Philly, Anthony San Filippo. How you doing, pal? I'm delightful right now. This is going to be great when it goes up on the YouTube channel over on the Crossing Broad YouTube. Of course, now listen, we got to explain mm-hmm. why am I eating at 10 o'clock at night? You Maria have no just power. You have Maria came home. Normally, I don't eat at this hour because I'll, I'll be up all night with acid reflux. But she brought home a, a bowl of fresh burrata and, and prosciutto. How can, I, how can I put this in the fridge and wait till tomorrow? I mean, you got to eat it right away. You got to eat it. Gotta right get away. No matter, how long, no matter how much it kills me in four hours, five hours. Delicious. So taking a couple bites. I won't eat the whole show. All right. Well, yes, I, you I appreciate <laughs> <laughs> right, maybe I will. Listen, I'm Is that pink lemonade? Please tell me you're drinking pink lemonade. I am, and a little pink lemonade oh to wash God. it down. So, as I mentioned at the uh, beginning of the show, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, by the way, we have to give a shout out to a few people who uh, I, I I'll try to pull this up here throughout the course of the show. When you get close to the end of the year, obviously Spotify does their thing where they do the the yearly wrap up. And we had a few people who reached out today saying that we ended up being their number one most listened to podcast this year, which, you know, we'll obviously get into the Flyers. And there's a lot of stuff to talk about, but we've talked about this a lot over the course of the, the last few years that Anthony and I have done the show and Bundy, of course, with you here now. Uh, we greatly appreciate the listeners out there who continue to come back week in and week out. The listener base continues to grow, which is great. Uh, one of the people was Craddy Shack at Craddock Colin who uh, said, is this a lot? Top podcast was Snow the Goalie, a Flyers podcast. Listened to just under 2,300 minutes of Snow the Goalie. That's a lot. That's a lot of Snow the Goalie. Guys, uh, it's a lot of minutes. That's a lot of minutes. That's that's a, like, even, like, at, uh, even at two like times more, speed, that's a lot of minutes. That's like more that's minutes. Than you, that's like more minutes than you played in a season, right, Bundy? 2300 so. yeah. say 20 times 80 i mean you can only get it say i got that yeah. it would be 1600 minutes yeah sorry that you guy's go. gotta we gotta get him a shirt or something <laughs> this is top fan of the year good stuff i think you're right 
I think yeah. you're right. There was somebody else who did too. I can't find them in the mentions right now. I'll look for it by the end of the show. And if I don't feel free to send a DM my way and tell me that I'm adult for not being able to find it, but okay. Um, as I was saying over on YouTube, the crossing broad YouTube channel, youtube.com slash crossing broad. You can find episodes of this show. Almost every episode since the Bundy era has started, has gone up onto YouTube. And there's also obviously like a bunch of past episodes that we've done uh, past interviews that we've done with some of your favorite personalities uh, on the team, around the team, executives, coaches, et cetera. So you can always go check that out. Now that we got that out of the way. Um, the Flyers have lost seven straight games. Chuck Fletcher met with the media yesterday, which we'll get into in a bit. But uh, your immediate reaction to the Flyers going up to New York and losing to a team that took a very different strategy in terms of rebuilding their franchise and one that I would argue has a much brighter looking future at least for the next few years in the new york rangers and let's start with you because i know you've been a little bit more positive about this team in our text thread how do you react to what we just saw well we'll get into what you saying i've been more positive we'll get into that as we get later into this conversation i thought that the flyers were going to play a good game tonight i coming in i kind of got the impression that they were going to come out and play a really hard game um, and at times they did, I, I thought that they competed, they battled, they, 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 uh, the power play looked, I know didn't score. It's so hard to sit there and say, well, you know, they played, they got a lot of shots. I think that they ended up getting like 14 or 15 shots on goal during the power play. Um, Shesterkin was just really good on the, on the power play portion of the, uh, of the game. And you, you, I think Russ, you even tweeted out about that, about just how good, um, uh, it looked, I mean, with, but Shesterkin was really the, the answer. The problem with the, the Flyers. The, the five minute. Yeah, the five, five minute. minute. Yeah, it, was, sure. it was a little bit tongue in cheek there, but like when they got into the third minute of the power play, all of a sudden things started to look like they were starting to click. Unfortunately for the Flyers, as they've learned this season, they, they, they just you don't, don't usually get a third yeah. minute or yeah. fourth or fifth. Yeah, no, but, um, uh, you know, unfortunately for the team, I, and I was talking about this with Bunny before you, before you logged on here, um, the third goal is the killer. I mean, I, I think, you know, this first goal is a power play goal. You know, it was a nice shot by Truba with a, with a good screen in front. Okay, fine. The second goal, I kind of thought Hart probably should make that save. But even the, even if he doesn't, down to nothing after the first period, it wasn't, the, it wasn't a good first period, but it wasn't a, a disastrous first period. They actually had some chances themselves. And then to come out and play the way that they did in the second period, you know, you sit there and say, well, they still have a chance in this game. But giving up that third goal so early, what was it, 34 seconds into the second period, that's the one that I think is the, the goal. That's the difference. First of all, that's the difference in the game. Um, and, and that's the goal that you cannot give up. And, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and defend losing seven games. In a row. You should never lose seven straight games, right? There's obviously problems when you lose seven games in a row. Um, but usually when a team's losing like this, they look like complete and utter dog crap, right? At, at this juncture. It's like they don't care. They're disinterested. And I think Bundy, will, you know, we were talking about this briefly, and I think he'll agree with me here. They played. They gave it They, they gave it a, a, a push. They gave it an effort. Outshot them, so what is it, 16 to 5 in the second period? First half of that third period, I mean, it was really pretty much rolling two lines to try and get that, you know, get within a goal. Um and then they just ran out of gas, I get, think, in the last eight or nine minutes of the period. And it just kind of was, you know, ugly from there. Um, you lose Farabee, which is, you know, he's been your best goal scorer of late. He goes out with a shoulder injury in the first period. 
that's just yet another injury to this team. Um, it, you know, it, it's hard to sit there and say, oh my God, what a disaster. But at the same time, I can understand why people get frustrated because you've seen this, you've seen this play out like this before. And you wonder, you know, when does that change? And I think we'll have a conversation about that, about when that could change, if it will change at all. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, that this was kind of the type of effort that you, you wanted to see, but you wanted them to get the win here. Like the win here going into three days off would have been a lot better when you have five and seven days next week. And it starts with back-to-back -back against Tampa and Colorado, who are going to just, you know, they're going to grind the hell out of the Flyers, right? So, so like, you, you really wanted to get the win here and not have to worry about trying to end a streak against one of those two teams. So, I mean, that's how I saw it. I, I thought that it was an okay effort. It could have been better, but it also could have been worse. Bundy, you think it was an okay effort? I mean, I thought that they, after the, about the middle of the second period, I, I, I thought, I, I saw definitely a team that looked like they were more on uh, even ground to the Rangers. But to be honest with you guys, like early in that first period, it looked like a, it looked like an NHL team playing a college team. It really did at times. I mean, they were circle well, wheeling that puck around the offensive zone. The flyers were chasing it. The defense were getting turned around and that's the kind of start. Like, you know, there's an old, an adage in, in, in sports and in pro sports, especially hockey, you know, just weather the first 10 minutes when you're on the road and things aren't going good. And they did a terrible job about it. They got, they got, took a penalty. They ended up getting, you know, they were down either way you like it. And here's, I think where you get the fans, they, they, they get a little bit ticked off with, with what goes on is that, yeah, they, they fought Anthony. And I know we're kind of sticking up for, for what, you know, the values that a player has a competitiveness that he wants to show, but they were down three, nothing. I agree with you. The third goal just cannot happen. I mean, that's just, that's the second period, I, the beginning of the second period, after, you know, your coach, has talked to you. Somebody else made a point tonight too, about talking about, you know, like when do the team leaders have a meeting? They've already had meetings. They've had yeah. meetings about having meetings. Yes. Um, so I know I'm, I'm telling you, I've been there. So those closed door meetings have happened. And the worst thing that can happen to a team is when you have those closed door meetings and you still don't get the result. That is really where you feel like you're at your feet are in quicksand and that your ship is really, really headed down some rocky and rough waters. So I think that's where the team is at. And I think, again, from the standpoint of the fans and people that are, are tuned into this team on a nightly basis, yeah, they made it interesting, but they really didn't on the scoreboard at all. It's a 4-1 win for New York. It was 3-1 for the better part of the game until the Flyers ended up getting one. So, again, they were around the play after they were down 3-0 and 3-1. Uh, mustered up a good effort in the third, but it, like you said, ran out of gas. And, and quite frankly, by that time, the Rangers were playing possum with uh, possum with them anyway, with the probably right now the best goaltender in the league. I, I think people could actually say that, that uh, he's been just that good for that team this year. Yep. And the Rangers have, you know, the, the Rangers played like a team that knows they have a goaltender playing that well as well. They gave up some chances also. The Flyers just are not capitalizing. We said two weeks ago, guys, this team can't score. They can't score. I mean, and that, you know, even the general manager alluded to it the other day, scoring from the flank, you know, is not a real true sniper uh, that they have. So they, they have a, a myriad of problems that they're staring at right now. And, you know, again, it, it, Hart made some outstanding stops tonight as well. Uh, but again, you know, I don't blame him for the loss. I don't like the third goal, but I don't like the third goal more for the defensive play on that than maybe perhaps Hart. So there's, again, more problems. I know they're working hard to come out of it, but again, hard work only gets you so far, especially in the eyes of the people that are paying to watch you play and that tune in on a nightly basis. And that's part of the fundamental issue, right? Because you look at the way they started this game and it kind of feeds into the narrative that has existed about this team for the better part of, I don't know, five years at least, which is 
they don't compete hard. Their captain is gutless. If you were a better captain, the team would come out with more jump. You wouldn't see these slow starts. Like this is just part of what has become routine. Like when this team gets off to a slow start, those are the first few things that are kind of bantered about, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's in Facebook groups. And it's just the reality. And you look at it and you want to applaud a player's effort. You want to applaud a guy who might be a bottom sixer who's working his ass off to stay in the lineup or to make a case to be in this lineup when players on this team get healthy. But at the end of the day, this kind of result has kind of become commonplace for this team. It's a result that has become commonplace with this leadership core. And, you know, Paul Holmgren said on this show a few episodes ago, Jake Voracek is a guy that needed to go. He needed a change of scenery. He kind of soured on things here. All right, well, you got rid of one. But there's still a, a significant chunk of what has been perceived as the leadership group of this team. And you've gone through a number of coaches over the last six years, and you've gone through at least two regimes in terms of the front office. Like at, at some point, the question really does have to be asked, and it has been asked many times when we solicited questions from the listeners and from our Twitter followers about, you know, what, what concerns you the most? What are you most interested in? The, one of the top questions is, what do you do now with Claude Giroux? Because if this is what this team is going to look like, and he's in the final year of his deal and he has that no movement clause, do you explore trading Claude Giroux? Do you think that realistically he's going to come back at the end of this season? Do you think the Flyers should even bring him back at the end of the season? We talked about last week. This team cannot be in a situation where he's their best player. For the vast majority of the season, he has been their best player. At what point do you consider turning the page? Bundy, let me go to you first as the former player. Is there anything to it or is this just a fan constructed, maybe somewhat media supported narrative? That holds no validity. Where do you fall? I mean, I, I don't want to say it, it doesn't. Uh, first of all, I mean, when I we talk about a player, I'm not, I've historically, when I've done the games, I never really talk about a player on an individual level or, you know, a, a particular variant. I usually talk about the effort that was presented that night. I don't like to overall, you know, generalize a player because, you know, I've been there before, right? So, you know, they're in the league for a reason. I just feel from a, from a standpoint of what was best for the team, just for the team, right? For the organization, for the crest. I said this, and I've said it privately, and I've heard other people say it, that they probably should have moved on from them four years ago, four or five years ago, for the max value for what you could have gotten. Um, that was after the first six years as a captain. He's 10 years into his tenure right now. The problem is that I think you look, I look at at this point is, first of all, uh, you don't need to sign him right now. You could trade him at the deadline. If he's, if he's that much in love with the city of Philadelphia, and he has a no movement clause, then tell him you want to trade him at the deadline or a little bit before, get him on a team to get acclimated, give him a chance. Then if he wants to resign here and you think there's something at the end of the year that you would as an organization said, you know, we could use him. Uh, we're, we're going, we're going to uh, give him another year after he went somewhere. I'm okay with that. But in terms of right now, like where this team is at, he has been a good player for this team. He's been an excellent, outstanding flyer. One of the best that has ever come through the organization. I don't think anyone would say that he's been a very good regular season player. Problem is, is he's not carried his teams deep into the playoffs. So everybody, whether you're a quarterback, you're starting pitcher, the best player in a hockey team or basketball team, Joel Embiid is probably no different in a sense from the Sixers standpoint. Same with Bryce Harper. 
because they're the star guys that get the focal point. The problem is, is that Giroux has had that spotlight on him for so long. And I think from a standpoint, people are saying, where have we gone with it? Doesn't mean that he's the villain in this. It just means that they have not gone to the promised land with him as a captain. And to be quite honest and frank, guys, it's been a roller coaster. We've been in, we've been out, we've been in, we've been out. That's tough. And that's tough for the fans to absorb over uh, a generation, a, a period of a generation of a franchise. So that's what they have. Uh, he's a great player. I don't know what his future lies, but I, you know, I know there are people in the organization that want to re-sign him, want to give him a longer than a one-year extension. Um, I just don't know if that's in the best interest for him. And I just don't think at this point it's in the best interest of the younger guys on this team, guys that are ready to take a step or are waiting to take a step because the captain, the 30, is he 32, 31, whatever it is now, is still taking a lot of the limelight away from those younger guys in their development. That's how I feel. Um, that's just my opinion. Anthony, I, I don't know what you think, but I, I you know, that's, well, where I, I, that's where I feel about it. I, I'm going to answer Russ's question in a slightly different manner than you did. I look at it and say, you know, is it time right now? No. But if this team's still in this position they're in 20 games from now, then yes. Then yeah, it is time at that point. Like when, when you know, you, you got to sit there and say, okay, the effort we made to reshape this team failed. I mean, and if, if after 40 games, if after a halfway point of the season, you're seventh place in the Metro and you're six to eight points out of a playoff spot or whatever, whatever it is. Right. Um, I mean, you're probably going to replace the coach too at that point, but at the, or, or maybe have already done it prior to that, but you're, you know, now that's when trades start happening, right? Trades, trades, r- trades are rare in the NHL, especially with big name players in November and December. They, it just doesn't happen unless there's a real, um, you know, Patrick Line type situation where he had, they had to get him out of Winnipeg, right? I mean, so, I mean, you really don't see them happen this early in the season. So if a player like Giroux is going to get traded, it's going to be closer to the deadline. Uh, maybe in Fe- you know February and then you know approaching uh, well February is the Olympic break maybe right after the Olympics and then approaching March. Um, so yeah, I mean if the team's in a, in a bad way, then yeah you've you failed in what you plan to do, and you you do you go to Claude and you say hey listen, you know we could talk in the in, in the spring, you know or talk in the summer if you want to come back maybe we can make it work, but. For now, you if you're if you really want this team to succeed and you do want to come back here, we need to get something for you. Let us trade you somewhere. Where would you like to go? We'll give us a couple options. You know, don't just say one place. Give us like three or four options, and we'll we'll engage those teams in conversation and let's see if we can get some assets in return. And then maybe in the summer, if you want to come back, then you can come back. We'll work it out. Um, but I don't think you can, you know, I, I, you know, I know everybody wants to say trade them, trade them, trade them now because everybody's frustrated and aggravated. They lost seven in a row. And I say, you can't right now. Now is not, now is not the time. We've got to wait and see where the team is, you know, as you're approaching the midway point of the season. I just, I just think it's, it's too early to, to go down that path. I just, I just think it's, I've seen it too many times where teams struggle early and then they find a way and they get it right and they get it going. And I've also seen it where you think they're going to get it going and then they fall apart and then they don't. Um, I think last year's Flyers were a perfect example. Got off to a pretty decent start. And we sat there and said, oh, this is going to be a, a pretty good team. And then all of a sudden they collapsed and then they, they can never re- recover. 
we thought, oh, well, maybe they can get back to it like they were doing early. And then they never could. They never recovered. And it was a disaster. And they had to make the moves that they had to make. So I, I think that, you know, you got to, but you got to give it, you, you've got to let that develop. You got to let the storyline actually play out and not cut it short. And that's, that's all I'm, I'm just someone who preaches patience and preaches, um, you know, being objective about it and say, let's, let's see where we are then for whatever reason, a million variables can happen between now and then. Let's see what the deal is and then make a decision at that point. See where I land on this. And I know you think that I'm the unreasonable one here, but if you, if you've gotten this far into the season, right. And it seems like your team has been upended by the loss of one player and Chuck Fletcher's comments really reflected what seems to be an underlying belief that Ryan Ellis is kind of the, the key to this whole thing that Ryan Ellis being back in the lineup is going to make this team a, a more dangerous team in all situations. It's going to be the cohesive element that's going to help them break out of their defensive zone, yada, yada, yada. And, and for the love of God, hopefully stabilize whatever the hell Ivan Provorov has been fine. But when you've gone through such an overhaul in your roster in the off season, mm-hmm. and now it all seems to hinge on this one guy again, that's problematic to me. That's indicative of the moves that you made in the off season that might have looked decent in the first 10 games weren't really as impactful as you thought they were or weren't as impactful as they should have been because losing one guy should not, should not under any circumstances doom a team the way that Ryan Ellis's absence has. He is not a top five defenseman in this league. You can make the case he's not a top 10 defenseman in this what, league. Can I stop it you should not can I fund stop, it. No, it can I stop it, you for a second? Sure. Can I stop you for a second? Because I, I don't necessarily think that this is about missing one guy. I think missing Ryan Ellis certainly has hurt, but I don't think that this is all about, oh, Ryan Ellis comes back and it cures all ills. It's not. And I don't think anybody's trying to make us believe that. At the same time, this team has not has played, I believe, one of their 21 games one of their 21 games with the, the, the uh, 18 skaters that they thought that they were going to have in the lineup at the yeah, start every, of the season. Everybody's like that though, Anthony. Yeah, but I get it. I get it. And, and I think that that's what, and I think that that's what Chuck was saying, Chris, but here's another thing. Okay. As of Monday, come, come this coming Monday of the Flyers first 23 games, 14 will have been played against the team, the top 10 teams in the NHL uh, by points percentage. Hey, you Listen, it, it's, it, there's something to that. Russ, you can sit there and, and shake your head all you want and wave your hands all you want. Yes, you ultimately have to beat those teams. There's no question about it. I'm not going to sit here and try and say, well, that's who you have to beat to get to where you want to go. You certainly do have to beat them eventually. But the fact of the matter is, is that you want to play those teams when you're at your, at your best. And if you don't have your best lineup and best group, this is what you are right now. And so that's why I was, I was so frustrated with you when you put out the tweet and said, you know, and everybody's on board with this. Uh, well, we are what we are right now. Well, right now, yes, the Flyers are what they are right now. Right now, this is what they are. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. They're, they're an injured team that is struggling against really good competition. It, it, it's not a defense. It's not saying that, 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 okay, this is an excuse. This is not anything along those lines. It is an honest assessment of where they are, but you can't sit there and kill them 
until they're struggling like this against against other teams as well. If they come if they come out after this stretch after Tuesday, I think they go six straight games against teams that are you know not not as good or either right around 500 or below 500. If they're still struggling after that, then I sit there and say, okay, fine. But we talked about we knew that this stretch of 18 games was going to be brutal to begin with. And that was assuming that the team was healthy. When we started that conversation, we weren't expecting Ryan Ellis to be out six weeks. We weren't expecting, you know, Kevin Hayes came back tonight, eh, still didn't, didn't quite look like himself. You know, he said he felt the best he's been in two years. Didn't quite look like himself. Um, you could lose Farabee in the game tonight. They have other uh, NHL players out of the line, but you're, you're trotting, you know, Nick Sealer out there still on that third, on that third pair, which is, you know, the third pair is that you can't put that third pair out there against anybody because they're going to get killed. Yes. Like, I mean, so, there's a lot of, lot of third pairs like that, though. There's a lot of players in the league now, Anthony. There's extra teams. There's extra. Yeah. That's the other thing I get caught up into is the amount of players we have. Like, you look at players like, well, we can't get rid of that guy. Like, everyone plays GM, right? Yeah. And then you realize, like, geez, if you have a guy that you think's worth something, maybe you have a look at, at moving him. But the, the bottom line is there's just so many players now that would have been in the minors anyway because of expansion. So I'm not even sure sometimes what I'm looking at half the time um, in terms of talent level. So, you know, you might have a guy that maybe doesn't look necessarily great to you every single night, but that's as effective as it's going to get in a league that's watered down. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the truth. You know, uh, that's a fact. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, and, all, and let's be fair about it. I mean, you know, I know Cam York was, was, is uh, out with a minor injury right now, but he's on his way back, but they made the decision at the beginning of the season that Nick Sealer was a better option to play in this lineup because remember he played the first games because Ristolainen was not in the lineup the first couple games that, but Nick Sealer was a better option than your young prospect defenseman, either, either York or Zamola. Right. So, I mean, there's gotta be a reason for that because they don't think it's just so that you weren't jostling the kid back and forth. They wanted, they wanted when it was his moment to come up, that it was his moment to be up and here the same thing and with, that you and weren't going to be shuttling with, him back and forth. And the same thing with Morgan. That's Frost. what that was. And it's the same thing with Morgan Frost. Who's so I'm not saying like, I, I don't think that the determination was made that Nick Sealer is a better defenseman right now than Cam York. It was, it was a simple. No, no, choice. no, it, but, but it is Russ, but that's what it is. Like in the, in the moment, Nick Sealer at the NHL level is a better defenseman than Cam York at the NHL level. That's not to say Cam York's not ultimately the better player, obviously we all agree that this kid's probably going to be better than Nick Sealer, right? I mean, if, if, if yeah. we're going to make that comparison. Okay. But the fact is, I certainly that I, hope so. Yeah. If not, that's a real bad, real bad draft choice. But I mean, if in that moment at the start of the 2021, 22 season, and you needed a seventh defenseman who had a play because you're missing one of your top six, that Nick Sealer was a better option than Cam York. They made that decision and they believed it. And it's obviously been the case because he's been here all year. He's been here all yeah. season so far, right? Yeah. Anthony, Anthony is right about that. I can tell you right now, they're going to try to plug in. I mean, when you're, you're searching for points, searching for anything, uh, you're going to try to dress the best lineup that's available to you that night. So yeah, Sealer on the depth chart is a higher up than Cam York. And again, I don't, I haven't seen enough uh, of, of Cam York outside of the, uh, uh, preseason games or even the game last year to really know much about him because I haven't been that in tune with uh, uh, the American League early in the season. But, you know, again, that that's, you know, that is, that is an issue. I mean, listen, one defenseman, especially from where Provorov is at, I mean, he's made a difference, right? Like we've seen him with a good player with Niskanen. So it gives you hope with a guy like Ellis coming back. But, 
you know, again, I, I look at that whole, the whole signing of Ellis is probably, you know, wondering, they're probably wondering like what, you know, what was he, what was going on with him when they acquired him? Cause you know, clearly, I mean, they gave up at the end of the day, they still gave up the second pick in the draft at one point, Nolan Patrick, whether he's got it still, we don't know. Probably, you know, I don't think he's going to have a long, uh, you know, he's not piling up points or doing much out in Vegas, although he's been out of the lineup. Um, so again, and, and Myers was a young defenseman, but Ellis, again, you know, I don't know what that injury was at the time. Uh, it certainly looks like something that's lingered, right guys. I mean, that, that certainly it, it happened in Nashville and come on and the flyers are, are on the hook for it. That's a big, that's a major problem. And it happened. It does happen. You got to know exactly what you're getting and what you're going to be sitting on for the year. Um, you know, so again, there's some accountability for that. I, I feel bad for him. You know, you make guy makes a change, a career change, and you come in into another city and there's high expectations. And you just can't get healthy. It happens sometimes, but I don't know, guys, this is a, this is a really, really tough stretch for this team. You know, the other thing too, Anthony, just looking at, at like teams that have gone through awful stretches this year, how many besides teams like Arizona or the other bottom dwellers have gone and lost seven in a row, you know, in a league that where your top heavy teams really gobble up a lot of the wins it's a 500 league basically in the win loss column. And now the flyers are sitting at eight, and nine, I believe uh, mm -hmm. overall. So that's why the points now are just so critical early in the year. They're as important now as they are uh, as you get into early April, you know, you're battling for those last spots. And I'm just afraid if they get too far behind, even in this stretch, you know, we have, as you said, there's six games they have coming up that you look at and go, man, they could be all right. They could be, they could lose three of those games also, you know? Yeah, right. And, and, no and that would be, reason. and that would yeah. be a problem. And that would yeah. be a problem. Right. I mean, but, that's what I'm saying. Let's let's at least let them play against some bad teams. Let them play Arizona again and Montreal and Ottawa. I mean, that's who's coming up on the schedule. I mean, these are not these are not good teams at all. Yeah. And so let you know if they if they if they go out and and shit the bed against those teams, yeah, then I'm on your side, guys. I I, I jump ship. I you know what I'm saying. I get there I, with you. I can tell you what those teams are thinking. They're coming in going, hey, we're playing the Flyers tonight. You got right. a chance to get a win. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Believe me, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Of course. See, the 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 issue that I I have here, and is the notion that they're in the midst of this difficult stretch, and that they're not at full strength, and that that has to be the reason that they they've gotten as bad of results as they have. Is you're a guy who likes to beat the drum about parity in the NHL, about a team just needs to get some hot goaltending, and they can ride it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And that's fine. And you can certainly make that argument. But then at the same time, a team that is missing their number one defenseman and is missing a center that they knew going into the season, they had time. They knew that there was a chance that Kevin Hayes wasn't going to be back and ready at the beginning of the season that went in and rolled the dice on Derek Broussard in the, in the role that he was going to have to be in. The decision was made that this is what this team was going to be. So again, I come back to it. It's, it's just Ryan Ellis. So if that's the case, I don't think that you can make the argument consistently that parity exists in the league and then turn around and say, well, the Flyers had a tough schedule. Like, yes, there is truth. There, there are difficult opponents they went up against. But, like, there are times when bad teams win. There are times yeah. where mediocre and, and teams done it. beat they, good teams. They beat Edmonton and so Edmonton. Like, they beat just, Washington and Washington. They beat Carolina and Carolina. They've beaten these good teams too. It's not like they've gone oh and whatever against them. We're just looking at this. We're looking at the last seven, right? You're looking at the because last they've seven lost seven straight because right. they haven't found a breakthrough in I seven games. I get it, I get it Russ. But what I'm saying is, is you're going to sit there and say that well they have to find a way to beat these good teams. Well, they have beaten them as well. 
they have beaten them as well, just not in the last seven games. Not this in the last seven games. Stress. Okay. We're just, we just we just we just throw out the, the last seven. Guys a little, we're, not, we're not throwing it out. We're not. Throwing I ever it tell out. you guys a little story about a little miracle that happened in a village in Lake Placid almost forty-two <laughs> years ago? Buddy, no, no, I'm serious. Think about <laughs> think about your playing days. I mean, you know, on on the teams that were that were really good that you were on. You went through stretches in the season where you had a, a run of a couple of weeks, three weeks, where you played like complete shit, right? And you still figured it out away. <laughs> we went, we had a trip canceled on us one year. We were supposed to go to New Orleans. And this is like really like when I was really in my gong show days. Like I was like, yes, we're going to New Orleans. They won't find me for three days. So anyway, it was like, so we anyway, we ended up going on like a 12-game winless streak. This isn't like the Lindros era. So we come in one morning, there's a note on the wall from Roger. It says, due to the circumstances, we will not be traveling to New Orleans for our trip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, and you know what? Even, even I remember Clark came in uh, down in the locker room. We were playing Dallas that night. We're going for, it, that was 12 because I think we won the next night. And he came down and he lit up guys in that locker room, me included. Oh, God, it was unbelievable. So we went out that night, pure fear. We ended up tying Dallas 2-2. I think we broke out of it the next night. We still had a good run, like, you know, whatever went on in the, uh, had a good seating, but it's an awful feeling losing. Losing is like winning. You know, when you feel like you're winning, you can win. It feels like you're never going to lose. But when you're losing, man, I'll tell you what, it's brutal because you, and the worst part, and you feel like you're never going to win a game again. The worst part the Flyers have going for them right now, guys, and I've been around this, is when your goal scorers aren't scoring. Oh, mm-hmm. You want to talk about a miserable locker room? That's why my dad had me play D when I was a kid. He says, don't worry about that goal scoring stuff. It's overrated. So I used to go in, get ready to play an 82 game season in the NHL. And I never had to worry about scoring a single goal. It was beautiful. <laughs> Just keep the pucks out of the net. But that, but seriously, guys, okay. those are, those are pressure points in a year, you know, for guys that are of right. expectations like Atkinson squeezing the stick, right? A connect me. Uh, you know, those are that lifeblood. Those are, that's lifeblood for guys goal scoring like, when it's not happening. It's brutal. No, but no. See, you mentioned that, that, that team, right? That team had legitimate expectations, had legitimate talent, had a, a chance to contend, right? Yeah. So, so like you, you know, going into a stretch and even coming out of a stretch, we have the ability, we have the talent. It's all there for us. This team isn't that, right? Like, are, do, do either of no. you believe right now that this team, if healthy, is a Stanley Cup contender? Do you believe that this team is a, top two team in the Met. This team is a top three team in the Eastern Conference if they're healthy, because I don't see it. And even in the first 10 games where results were okay, there were indications that there was a decent bit of luck. There was a lot of hot goaltending and there was an unsustainable goal scoring streak that this team had in, in that stretch. And it's come crashing back down to earth. So like, I get what you're saying and I, I, I totally understand it, but I don't think this is apples to apples because that team you're talking about had the elite talent. And, and that, almost, that almost makes it harder, doesn't. though, Russ. Right? Yeah, right. And, and we couldn't win a game for 12 games. So that there's a little bit harder. of credit. I'm le- it's, it's a different league, guys. Like, I mean, it really yeah. is. It's a totally different animal. I mean, you're going out. You didn't even – every team was different when you played. You might have had a goon team you were playing one night. You might have had a skill team, uh, dump and chase the next night. Like, every, every team had a different personality then. So you just never knew who you're going up against. It feels like a lot of ways, like top echelon teams, they're all kind of the same. It's a very mm-hmm. vanilla type of, of, of way you, you go about playing the hockey games now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and that's because of the lack of physicality. I mean, in the third period tonight, I think it was 16-10. 
hits for the Rangers at some point in the middle of the third, but that's what happened. So you get a different dynamic of the hockey game. That's why that time was different, Russ. But yeah, that was a team that if you looked at it at the time, people would consider it a Stanley Cup contender. I don't think anybody right now is considering this team as it's formed right now a Stanley Cup contender, whether they're healthy or not. I think you can, like Anthony said, you hope you go on a run and things go good and your goaltending becomes a very much a part of it. But, I mean, you'd be a fool to come out here and say this team is a Stanley Cup contender as it's set up right now, healthy or not. Now, it's it's interesting. I will say this. Is I was a little surprised that Vigneault, I don't know if you guys saw, um, after the game and he was uh, interviewed tonight, what he said about uh, about the team. Um, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scroll back here and find the actual quote because it, it was uh, – it's, it's kind of surprising. He says, I'm not satisfied about anything. I guess he's, I guess the question was, you got to be satisfied with the, at least the effort was, you know, probably there. He says, I'm not satisfied about anything. This is serious here. We're not finishing. We're executing. We'll have to find ways to win one, nothing or two, one tighten up defensively. Some plays our guys have made in the past and have the talent to make. They're just not making. Now that is a little bit concerning to me. And I think that that ties into what you were saying earlier, Bundy, that almost that if it, it does, they would almost have to play a perfect game in order to win. If you're, if, you're not if your top guys aren't scoring goals, and I think that that's what he's referring to. Well, and how, just, how are they? How are they going to win a one nothing game? I mean, well, honestly, they're, God, yeah. they're not going to win. Yes, they can't yes. win a one nothing game right now the way they're playing. Yep, I mean, they can't. They give up too many chances unless their goaltender stands on their head. But yeah, you're right. That's that's the biggest cliche in hockey, boys. When you're down and out, let's go win a one nothing game. And that's or or let's back in the day say you know what let's go fuck, let's go tie a game one one. You know, like that's how the mindset, just keep the game tight, keep it low scoring, give yourself a chance. The, I don't, I, he, it sounds well, like he's a frustrated it too, right? coach because, too. Yeah, I mean. No, he's absolutely frustrated. There's sure. no doubt about it. Yeah. It would be one thing if your defensive core were healthy and you were getting the goaltending that you've gotten for the vast majority of the season from Carter Hart and Martin Jones. Like, here's, here's the worst part. If you had gotten this goaltending last year, last year's a totally different situation, right? Like, you you actually have a, a legitimate team last year. You had a, a chance to do something at least decent. You have a, a chance to make a, a decent enough playoff run. You had horrible goaltending last year. This year, it's getting squandered. And to your point, you can't win a one nothing game because the guys playing in front of him aren't getting that job done. You don't have the defensive capability to hold teams to one goal or to a shutout, no matter how well your goaltender's playing. And... Is there a question in there? I just wanted to see if you had thoughts. Like, do you? No, I, I, no, I, I, that's why I said I was a little perplexed by him saying that because they're not going to win games one nothing and two one. They're just not. They, no. you know, I mean, you might be able to get away with it like a game here or there, kind of, you know, depending on if you're playing another team, like again, like Montreal is coming up on the schedule. The Canadians are the worst offensive team in hockey. They average two goals a game, right? On average. So maybe you look at that game and go in there and say, all right, boys, let's, we can win this one two one. Okay, maybe. Yeah, okay, fine. But you can't, you know, you're going to play Tampa on Sunday and Colorado on Monday. You're going to beat those teams one nothing, 2-1? No shot. No prayer. Like, yeah. So that's why I was a little surprised that, that A.V. came out and said that publicly. And maybe it's just him letting off his – That's he's finally letting out his frustration with the fact that guys aren't scoring goals. Um, and, and, that's, and that's okay. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's good that the coach lets out a little steam publicly. Is know? it, though? Like, but, but really, though, is it because it's a day after the GM 
threw the players under the bus, especially on the power play. So now yeah. you have the GM who came out and said they, this week is well, the GM came out and said, this is a really important week. They came out. We said the first period and a half, the effort wasn't there. The execution was poor. Right. And then they kind of turned it around. The thing that really was, if, if you want to go to the power play, because the power play was bad for stretches, the power play tonight was good during that five minute major. Like that, that was the thing that maybe you started to feel like, wow, where's this been? Because you were seeing a variety of shots from a variety of different spots on the ice. You were seeing a, a team that maybe had a little bit of desperation, but wasn't gripping the stick too tightly. They weren't overthinking the game. They were letting the power play come to them, which is something right. they haven't done all year. But man, if you're, if it takes your GM the day before, and now your head coach is saying this stuff to me, like that, that's problematic on a, a number of levels. Maybe the worst part of this is this team. Again, we come back to, they're missing one guy right now. This team, you come back the, to this. the players keep going back to this. The, well, listen, because the players who were acquired in the off season were at whose behest, Anthony, Who's the guy who went in with the shopping list and said, these are the kinds of players. The coaching staff did. And who's the one who went out and executed the moves? And the general manager, yeah. The general manager did. So the two guys who have expressed the most frustration in two days are the ones who went shopping for the groceries and brought them in. And now they're pissed off that the line cooks can't execute. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. That to me is the, the ultimate frustration. It's like, I get it. You can be upset that like your grand vision of what this team should be or could be or, or how they were going to execute and win games isn't working. But like, man, you're a quarter of the way through the season now. It's kind of a problem. And if you have to go public now in back-to-back days to try to light a fire under this team, that to me is another problem, right? Well, and it's the- No, it's not. And that, that's, that's a problem with your generation. Everybody's, everybody's too soft mm. in your generation. Mm. Your generation and younger, oh my God, they're going to call me and say, they're going to say I stink publicly. Oh, how am I going to react? Oh, Back in the day, the coach would come out and just say, so-and-so suck. The coach would call the media mm-hmm. up and say, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you who sucks, write who sucks in the paper. And then they would put it in there, right? And that would be it. Mm-hmm. And, then I'd go, and then I'd show up and have Bundy yelling at me for giving him a bad grade because Hitch told me to give him a bad grade uh, on the midseason report card, right? I mean, but that's, that's kind of so that's, that- that's how it works, huh? <laughs> you know what? I'll give Hitch my report card, too. <laughs> but, but no, but like, seriously, like, that's part <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean, it's like, why can't you? You're a multi. You're making multi-million dollars. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't conflate. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't mix this up. I have no problem conceptually with a coach going public saying they're unhappy or the GM going out and saying they're unhappy. My problem is this is now a systemic issue that happens year over year. And this comes back to, is it the core? Is it an issue with the team itself? Because when you have coach, GM, different coach, different GM, and we keep coming back to like the same idea time and time again, like to me, it's, that's a concerning thing. I don't care. Coach can go out and flame the players all he wants. GM can go out and flame the players all he wants. I'm saying, I think it's an issue that 45, 45 needs to have of the roster, 45% of the roster was turned over Russ. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it's the, it's the generation of, of athlete. It's not, it's not the, it's not to sit there and say, Oh, well, you know, it's the same people. It's 45% of the roster was turned over and you're having the same problem. Well, then it's the then it's a problem with the with the generation of athlete. And you can have this argument about any sport. You could have it in basketball. For basketball, by God, it's the worst in basketball, far worse than hockey, right? And it's 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 pretty bad in football too. And and baseball's got its its divas as well. 
I mean, I just think Stop it's an issue. Girls basketball, Anthony. Yeah, you're right. That's about right. That, Bundy. You're right about that, Bundy. You're absolutely girls basketball, 100%. girls it's soccer. That's why when you're a coach, you'd rather coach the girls because they play more fundamentally sound and the egos aren't there as much. Correct. Well you're 100 percent right. It's all about it's all yeah. the guys. It's it really is. Yep. But I mean, I, I really do think it's an issue. I really do think I like I don't have a problem with a, with a coach coming out and calling his team out. I think it's good. It's good. They need to hear it sometimes. They need to hear it because they're coddled too much. You know, the coach takes the coach, coach falls on the sword all the time in sports or the coach sits there and says, well, you know, this is a, a group effort and doesn't point out individuals. You know what? When you start pointing out the individuals, that's what Bunny's told the story. How many times about getting benched and then how it changed his career. Right. I mean, and that was, well, that's a public thing. You got pulled out of the lineup because you were sucking. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah. right. And then all of a sudden it's like, shit, I better get myself together. And then, and if I want to stay in this league and you did. You know, and that was good. Good on you. I think players need that more now. And then, you know, go but ahead and do it. Go ahead and say it. We're not disagreeing that is societal. About that. We could save the societal talk for another one. We could actually put a whole episode towards it, and I'd be happy to chime in. <laughs> um, but you're 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 right. It, it's a it's a different time. It's a different time in pro sports. It's a different time in life. Um, but yeah, personalities are different. I mean, I remember getting called up as a kid, like getting you know, got or Turk Evers would come up and go, Hey, yeah, uh, Clark, he wants to see you up at his office. I'm like, first time I'm like, Oh, wow, this is kind of neat. I wonder what this is all about. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I dude, I can't, I can't even begin to start. I mean, I don't like to use the, the throwing the F bombs out here no matter what, cause kids are listening, but Holy Jesus, man. I'll tell you what, I can hardly drive my car home that night. I, we had a game the next night. I mean, he said stuff to you now that would actually probably have some guys laying on a couch somewhere, like talking it out. Uh, but I had to go home and suck it up and get ready to play the next night because I felt like the end of the world was coming. If I didn't somehow go out and play a good game, that's accountability. I don't, know, maybe that's why that gener- our generation is so much different, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, See, I went through that a lot, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, what's his name? Who was the interim coach Russ? Um, Scott, Scott Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, Scott Gordon had a good, real good conversation with Russ and I about this, Bundy, and I and I think that I think that he was on to something that kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, maybe. And this is maybe this is the one way to bridge the gap between our generation and the younger generation. And Scott Gordon said, you know, to Russ and I, says, you know, you could be hard on guys, but you just have to explain to them why you're being hard on them. This generation wants an ex wants to know. They want to know why they want, they want you to explain it and give this whole detailed thing. And, and, you know, whereas before a, a coach or a general manager would just fly off the handle, dropping 36 F bombs and calling you every, every name under the sun. And you just would go home and be like, all right, I got to be better. Maybe they didn't exactly tell you why you have to be better, but you just knew that you had to be better. Now the generation's like, okay, yell at me, go ahead, fine. But tell me what you want me to do different. How do I, what do I have to do differently? And maybe that's the disconnect between an older coaching staff right now with guys like Vino and, and Tarion who, you know, been around forever. Mike Yo has been around a while now too, I guess. Um, and, and the younger, a younger generation of player, um, not to say that it's a young team per se, but a younger generation of player. And maybe that's the disconnect. I don't you, know. You can find, you can find players that are, are, will be willing to accept that kind of coaching. Like, I mean, I know chief, right. Baruby. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's not going to be out there passing around high fives. I mean, he's going to let you know straight up. I need you to be better. And here's why you need to be better. And if you're not better, you're not going to play. Yeah, that's it. There's no, there's no like kind of, you know, mixed messages. He took a team in last place in January. That's where we all want to lay our hope. And he won a Stanley cup. He had a good goaltending. 
He had a core guy, a group of guys that bought in uh, and he was able to get that message out. So it can't happen. It's just, I, and I agree with what Gordo says like that. You know, I have five kids all around 20. My daughters are, and they've been in division one college basketball players, but they, you know what they, you know, it is different. I say, well, girls, cause I was talking about the basketball, but you know, they don't take anything for granted. You know, they go out every single day and work hard and practice in the games. And, uh, and that's what I expect from them because that's the way I was taught. So I think of it like that too. I think there's a lot of entitlement guys that come into with, with sports now, you know, there's uh, guys come in now and they're, they've already made the team. Uh, where guys had, used to have to earn it no matter even if you were new you were going to make the team you still had the perception that you had to go earn that job so a lot of things have changed but you know again to me at the end of the day guys it still comes down to attitude uh, effort and, and uh, accountability you know those those things like that when you're out there as a member of a team you know you can keep yourself and have pride in your game and be able to to go out and execute to some degree they're in a bad funk right now and they somehow need to find a way to come out of it I thought that McEwen fight the other night would really kind of bring everything to life and it just didn't materialize it's interesting yeah, so, uh, what, what that, can happen uh, in a game to bring life to a team and you mentioned the accountability piece and i guess that's what i keep coming back around to like if, if we circle back even to the beginning of this episode you'd mentioned that somebody had tweeted at us about you know when's the closed door meeting going to happen when are guys pounding on tables that kind of thing and you said like those kind of meetings have already happened at this point when yeah. you're in this kind of a funk like those things have happened all right so if, if we know that that part's done, if we know that the leadership core has gone out of their way to, to hold these kinds of meetings, we know that the coach has probably been addressing things behind closed doors. The GM might have gone down and addressed things behind closed doors, although he kind of waffled on that one in, in his press conference. The GMs now come out publicly. The coaches come out publicly. Are we at a point now where over the next 10 games that Anthony wants to see, we're going to see the, which, which scenario is playing out? It's either these guys – have an accountability issue, or there's just a talent, a talent deficiency on this team. Like if, if we feel like the team is going out almost every night and giving their best effort and yet the results aren't happening, is it just a, a situation where this team isn't nearly as good as the coach and the GM thought it was when they yeah, built it? Yeah. Could well yeah. be, could well be Russ. I mean, and you, and you say the next 10 games and the next 10 games get you to Christmas. Yeah. And, and that's what we, I, I think that we all kind of agreed at the beginning of the year that if the team was in a bad spot come the holidays, then we could see change. So I think that, I think we need to give them that time, and, you know, and yeah, this, I get it. I understand the, if you're a fan, I understand the frustration of a seven game losing streak. I understand the frustration that the team can't freaking score second worst offensive scoring team in, in the NHL in the month of November. I get it. Right. It's there. We, we're all seeing it. We're all witnessing it. It's not great. But I also say that you, you can't just it, look at just those seven games in a vacuum and say that's that's the team. You gotta give them an opportunity to come out of it. And if and they may not, they may not come out of it. And then we're they're worse than what we, you know what we are, what we are, right? They're worse than what we than that. They're worse than what he said uh, at uh, in the press conference. So, but I think you got to give them that time. And I think it's only fair. And I think. You know, if I asked you, if, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about this, Bunny, because I know we're getting ready to wrap the, the episode up. But if I was, if you go back to your playing days, and I want you to think back to that 12-game losing streak. And imagine, you know, seven games into that or eight games into that, I came up to you in, in, in the locker room. And, uh, and I said, well, man, you know, things are really not going well. You, know, you, think, uh, you think you guys need to just kind of blow this up at this point? Does there need to be major change with this roster or with this team? 
Like, how would you have responded well, as a that, player, as a player in that, in that moment? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, and again, you know what I say, it felt like we were never going to win. The only difference was with that is that we had some ties in there. And right. believe me, every single tie at that time felt like a win. <laughs> so it was like, right on boys. Good tie yeah. tonight. You know? And, uh, uh, so again, you know, we, 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 we lived like, uh, live like that, but you know, that was a team though. I think that even though it was going on, like at the end, if we said, guys, let's go try to win a one, nothing game. That was actually a team that probably could have won a, went out and actually accomplished yeah. that. Yeah. That's this, that was a much better team built team. That was just coming a team coming off a Stanley cup final. I, I think guess, that year, so. I guess, I'm, I guess the question I'm asking is more as a player who's kind of in that bunker you know, with the, with the, with the team losing right now, right? I mean, your, your mentality is not, yeah, let's just, let's screw it. Let's just we'll throw our hands up and blow it up 21 games into a season, right? Your mentality is let's freaking figure this out and, yeah. and find and, a way and, to win. And you know, right? and you know, the one thing I'd like to see though, and I know, I know we are wrapping up because it could open up a whole new can with this. I'd love to see more friggin' like come after a team at the start of a game. Don't wage your way into that is a one thing with and it's always usually a dictated leadership group that that comes from i want to see a team come out gangbusters man hungry pissed off you're allowed to be like that don't wait for the game to set itself up you set the tone come out and go rock somebody and if you get a penalty for it we'll kill it for you you don't want to take a dumb one but if it's an effort penalty because you want to try to get the building going that's what the that's part of what flyer hockey's been we don't see a lot of that anywhere in the league anymore but i'd love to see a better start give themselves a fighting chance at least create that energy early. That's something we don't see enough of, Anthony and Russ. And we have not seen it for quite some time, to be honest with you, especially at home. Had a good home record, I think, was it last year, the year before? Excellent home record. Right. Uh, But they have to have better starts. You're right about that. You're right about that. All right, Ross, I know we want to wrap it up. I know we have, uh, what, three new You guys want to wrap it up. I'm ready to go two more hours on the Flyers podcast. You know, the people We got to get up. We got to wake up early. We got to wake up early. Oh, here he goes. Pobre seat, though. All right. We do have some new five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews. They make everybody smile. They make Ant smile. They make Bundy smile. They warm the cockles of my heart. Let's start off with Renberg. Renberg leaves a five-star review for us. Hockey Knowledge. Fantastic podcast with three knowledgeable hockey guys with the lack of coverage by two local sports radio stations. This is a great listen. Thanks, Renberg. Thanks, Renberg. Although I don't know about if he's right about three knowledgeable hockey guys, maybe just two, but that's all right. You're right. I mean, hey, listen, you I don't want you to put yourself down like that. I know. Listen, I, you know, Bundy and I, we, we carry the load, but you know, we, we try. Um, the next one is from Funky Fresh. I like this. Funky Fresh. If I could, I'd give more stars. I only first came across this brilliant podcast over the summer, so I haven't been listening long. Now, with the addition of the man of the people, Chris Terrian, this podcast is a can't miss. Unlike other Flyers podcasts that try to sugarcoat everything, Anthony, Russ, and Chris tell it how it is and supply Flyers fans the behind-the-scenes knowledge we deserve. The Flyers are a tire fire, but at least we have these three hosts to guide us and navigate us through the tough times, Flyers fans. Dave Scott out. Interesting. Thanks, Funky Fresh. Funky Fresh, right? Funky Fresh? Yeah, Funky Fresh. He actually signed it, Nick, so I think that's his first name, Nick. Beautiful. Great stuff. Funky fresh Nick. All right. And then last, last one from bits of Tid <laughs> five stars, the best Jerry, the best hands down, the best flyers pod, Anthony Russ and Bundy give the listeners a good mix of perspectives from insiders, such as journalists and player to generational 
Gen Xers or to whatever Russ is. Some of their rabbit hole conversations are entertaining too. See, Thanksgiving, one must go. Keep up the great work. I look forward to each and every episode. Thank you, Bits of Tid. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Listen, we got the five-star reviews. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. We're loving it. We're loving the uh, the reviews as they come in. Of course, you can leave a five-star rating. We love the ratings, but the reviews are what we read here on the show. Remember, it has to be five stars. Whether you love us or hate us, leave it five stars and we'll read it. You want to burn us? You want to light one of us on fire? Leave a five-star review. We'll still read it because that's what we do here. But you leave a three-star review or a one or a two or even a four, it doesn't get read, homie. That's not how this works. So uh, we will be back next week with a new episode unless there's something that happens between now and then. I don't think there will be, but... I mean, who knows? Um, we are what we are, after all. So uh, <laughs> make sure you well go played, follow. Ross, well played. <laughs> go follow Bundy over on Twitter at CTarian6. Follow Anthony on Twitter at Philly. You can follow me on Twitter if you so choose at Joy on Broad. Of course, all of our Twitter handles. Everything you need is in the description of this episode, as well as the uh, the different places you can find this podcast and the links there: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher. Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast. And of course, as we mentioned at the top of the show, video versions of the episode, they usually come out a day or two after the audio version. But if you want to sit back and you want to watch Bundy smile, by all means, you can over on youtube.com slash crossing broad. You can find all the written content about this team, including recaps, any big uh, news moments. You can find that over on crossingbroad.com and hell. You can even read Anthony's betting previews. Anthony, I didn't get into this. I don't remember how your picks did today, but you have been doing a good job for the most part for the Penguins and the Flyers betting previews. So kudos to you, fella. I had Panarin scoring a goal for the uh, for the Rangers and a win tonight. That's so. a cheap win. Empty netter. It's cheap, but it's, baby, it's, it's a cheap win. We'll out. take it. Russ, yep. they don't ask how, buddy. They ask how many. And I, like, and, I liked, and I liked the under. I liked the under five and a half when it, it covered, so... The, the other bets did not do do as well. I was two and two. There you go. There you All go. right. So on that bombshell, it is time to end. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week here on Snow the Goalie. <laughs>